In our last study, we noticed how 1 Thessalonians is put together. And the good word today in 1 Thessalonians is that God takes care of every single need that we have. Now let me review with you, if I may, the way this letter is put together. Remember Paul's writing to new Christians, to young Christians in the faith who needed to be encouraged and enlightened and established in the things of the Lord. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 we have called personal. Paul gives thanks, remembering. In chapter 1, he remembers how the church was born. In chapter 2, how the church was nurtured. In chapter 3, how the church was established and stabilized in the faith. In chapters 4 and 5, we have Paul beseeching them to live a godly life. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 are personal. We give thanks remembering. Chapters 4 and 5 are practical. Paul says, we beseech you. Would you notice, please, in your Bible, chapter 4, verse 1, Furthermore, then, we beseech you, brethren. Down in verse 10, we beseech you, brethren, that you increase more and more. Chapter 5, verse 12, we beseech you, brethren. Chapter 5, verse 14, we exhort you, brethren. That word exhort means to beseech. So in chapters 4 and 5, Paul is beseeching the Christians to walk so as to please the Lord. You've noticed in chapter 4, verse 1, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk, chapter 4, verse 12, that ye may walk honestly. Now, this is interesting. One word is repeated over and over again in this little letter. It's the word brethren. Chapter 1, verse 4, knowing brethren beloved, your election of God. 2-1, for yourselves brethren know. Down in verse uh, 9 of chapter 2, you remember, brethren, I've noticed 17 times in this brief letter, Paul uses the word brethren. You see, he's writing to a fellowship of the saints. The local church is made up of Christian children, Christian brethren. Paul says in chapter 2, verse 7, we were gentle among you even as a nurse cherishes her own children. So Paul looked upon these people as spiritual children who had been born into the family of God, and he wanted to care for them. Now, we also noticed last week that um, the Lord Jesus Christ is emphasized in this uh, book as his return is emphasized. At the end of every single chapter, the return of Jesus Christ is emphasized here. In chapter 1, the return of Christ, the rapture of the church, and salvation. Chapter 2, service. Chapter 3, stability. Chapter 4, sorrow. Chapter 5, sanctification. The, re the rapture of the church, the return of Jesus Christ in the air for his church is a tremendously practical doctrine. Now let no one ever tell you that, this, that the coming of Jesus Christ is some ethereal theory. It's a very practical doctrine. When a person is saved, then he looks for Jesus to come back. That's chapter 1. Why does a person serve the Lord? Because he expects that one day Jesus will come back. What is it that establishes a Christian? Well, chapter 3 says it's the coming of Jesus Christ. What is it that takes us through sorrow? Well, chapter 4 says it's the return of Jesus Christ. What is the great motive for Christian sanctity and holiness of living? Chapter 5 says it's the second coming of Jesus Christ, his return for his church. This then is the burden of the letter and the blessing of the letter. It's written to Christians in a local church. 
Now let's begin with chapter 1 and see what Paul has to say about this church. Chapter 1 tells us how the church was born. Now, I trust no one will misunderstand me for saying this, but I must be honest. The local church today is not looked upon in New Testament light. I fear that too many Christians are looking for the excitement and the allurement of some other organization. The local church, as far as I am concerned, is the most important agency in God's program today. Now, God has raised up many, many agencies to serve him and to win souls and to get his work done. I know all the faults and failures of the local church. Young people so often say, well, uh, Brother Wearsby, I, my church is boring or I don't want to go to church. Well, that's the wrong attitude. The local church is God's established agency for getting his work done in this world. And these other organizations, as important as they may be, would fall apart tomorrow were it not for the local church. It's the prayers of the local church, it's the giving of the local church, it's the working of the local church that makes these agencies exist. I myself have shared in the ministry of extra church organizations. I appreciate them. I was one to Christ through the ministry of such an organization. The seed was sown by the church I had attended since I was a little tyke, but the harvest was reaped by another organization. Now God gave the increase. But Paul is writing here to brethren in a local church. Now, if you're saved today, God expects you to be a part of a local church. I make no apology for saying that. The Great Commission tells us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. After you've won people to Jesus Christ to baptize them and to instruct them in the things of the Lord. Now, the Great Commission is given to us to obey, not to talk about, not to argue over, but to obey. And I believe in the ministry and the importance of the local church. Mothers and dads, the most important thing you can do is to raise your family in a church that honors Jesus Christ and preaches the gospel. Now, Paul wrote this letter to a local church. And chapter 1 tells us how this church was born. Where do churches come from? Are churches suddenly brought into existence the way uh, a club is or some fraternal organization? No. No, a church is born in the heart of God. God sent the Apostle Paul through all the sufferings of Philippi down to Thessalonica. And when Paul came to Thessalonica, he preached the word of God, people were saved, and a church was organized to the glory of Jesus Christ. I want you to notice now in chapter 1, we're told how the church was born. In chapter 2, we are told how the church was nurtured, how it was cared for. In chapter 1, the baby is born. In chapter 2, the baby is given the nourishment to grow. In chapter 3, the baby is told how to stand. I want you to mark in your Bible that little word establish or stand. Chapter 3, verse 2, And we sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you. Chapter 3, chapter three verse 3, That no man should be moved by these afflictions. Uh, down in chapter 3, verse 8, for now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. Chapter 3, verse 13, to the end that he may establish you. The whole theme of chapter 3 is how they learned how to stand. Chapter 1, how they were born. Chapter 2, how they were nurtured. Chapter 3, how they were taught how to stand. Now, when you, when you learn that, then you can move into chapters 4 and 5, how to walk. It's just, it's just a beautiful picture here of a church. The church is born in chapter 1. The church is 
uh, nurtured in chapter 2, the church is established and stabilized in chapter 3, and in chapters 4 and 5, the church is taught how to walk. Now, this is important in the Christian life. You don't walk until you learn how to stand. And you're not going to be able to stand until you take in the spiritual food and grow. And you can't grow unless you're born. I fear there are many people in our local churches who have never gotten to chapter 1. They have never been born again. And so let me say a word about that right now. If you've never been born again, you don't have any life. You're not even in chapter 1. You can't experience chapter 2 or 3 or 4 or 5 until you've come in through chapter 1, which is salvation. Now let's look at these first verses in chapter 1. If you're the kind who likes to outline, let me give you an outline of chapter 1. Remember the theme is how the church was born. What kind of a group is a local church? How does a local church differ from the PTA or any other organization? There are people who tell us today that the local church is outdated, we don't need it anymore, it's not with the times. Well, if a local church is what God wants it to be, it's not outdated, it's timeless, and it always has a job to do. In verses 1 through 5, we're told that it was an elect group. An elect group. Verse 4 says, Knowing, brethren beloved, your election of God. So it was an elect group. In verses 6 and 7, it was an exemplary group. Verse 7 says, So that ye were examples to all that believe. Verses 1 through 5, an elect group. Verses 6 and 7, an, elect, an exemplary group. Verse 8, an enthusiastic group. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord. An enthusiastic group. And then verses 9 and 10, an expectant group. Looking and waiting for Jesus to return. Now, this is a good description of what a Christian ought to be. First of all, a Christian is one who is elect. He has been chosen by God. And having been chosen by God, he ought to be exemplary. After all, if we belong to God, we ought to live exemplary lives. And he ought to be enthusiastic. If he has experienced this wonderful miracle, he certainly ought to want to share it with other people. And certainly he ought to be expectant to look for Jesus Christ to come back, knowing that he will return and reward him when he does return. Can you remember this definition or this description of the local church? The local church is an elect group, verses 1 through 5, an exemplary group, 6 and 7, an enthusiastic group, verse 8, an expectant group, verses 9 and 10. Now in the time that remains, let's begin to dig out some of the nuggets of truth that are found in chapter 1. Chapter 1, how the church was born. It begins with a great name, Paul. That's how the church was born. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus. That's Paul and Silas and Timothy. Under the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in, in our prayers. Now, I have circled three words in verses 1 and 2. Perhaps you'll want to circle them too. In, the, in verse 1, in God the Father, I've circled the word in. And then at the end of verse 1, from God our Father, I've circled the word from. And in verse 2, we give thanks to God. I've circled the word to. Three little prepositions, in, from, 
and 2. Now, what is a Christian? Well, a Christian is one who is in God. And a Christian is one who gets something from God. And a Christian is one who gives something to God. Notice those prepositions now. Three very little words. The church was in God the Father. The church received something from God the Father. And the church gave something to God the Father. Now, dear friends, we cannot give anything to God until we have received something from God. And you won't receive anything from God until you are in God. The little word in is one of the most important words in the entire Bible. Everybody I'm speaking to right now is either in Adam or in Christ. When you were born the first time, you were born in Adam. But the Word of God says you can move out of being in Adam and move into Jesus Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, there are only two men that God sees in this world. He sees the first Adam and he sees the last Adam. The first Adam was a failure. And when you are born the first time, you are born a loser. The last Adam was a winner, a victor, Jesus Christ. He overcame. And everything we lost in Adam, we regain in Christ and more. In fact, much more, according to Romans chapter 5. And so I want to ask you as we close this little lesson today, the good word is the word in. Are you in God the Father and are you in Jesus Christ? You say, well, Mr. Worsby, I'm in the church. I'm in the young people's society. I'm in the choir. Are you in Christ? Are you in him? Have you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ so that you can honestly say, I am in him and he is in me? Now, we'll pick this up again next time when we look at the good word once again. But I would close by exhorting you to be sure that you are in God the Father. For if you are in him, you will receive blessing from him and you can give something back to him. Thank you so much for listening today. I trust that the good word from 1 Thessalonians has done something good in your heart and that God will continue to do this good work in your life until Jesus shall return.